On today's show, we'll break down what became a narrow loss from the Hawks at home against the New York Knicks on a Wednesday evening. We'll touch on all of what transpired from what might cost the Hawks this game on the defensive glass in particular to what was good, what was somewhere in the middle, and more. All of that is on the way. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1589 of the Locked on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Wednesday evening into Thursday. And today's show is brought to you by the folks at Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics to treat 50-plus infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com. That is J-A-S-E Medical. Com. I also want to tell you at the top of the podcast and really encourage you to make us your first listen each and every day on this show. You can find us anywhere you get your podcasts, places like Apple and Spotify on the audio side. And we're also on YouTube over there on the video side. And today's show will focus on what became a 116 to 114 home loss for the Hawks against the Knicks on Wednesday. That falls, that pushes the Hawks down to, I should say, six and five on the season. They've now lost two of the last three games. And they're also, unfortunately, two and three at Safe Home Arena. This year. Also, this is the second time the Hawks have lost to the Knicks already in the same building in the first 11 games. And both, again, both those games were at home. It was a tough spot for the Hawks schedule wise, having a back to back with travel. I know I am absolutely exhausted having been in Detroit on Tuesday, um, but it is what it is. Knicks, Knicks on full rest. That perhaps contributed to things for sure, but the Hawks just did not execute down the stretch of this game. And they were down as many as 13 points in the first half. They did build a seven-point lead, actually, in the fourth quarter, although they held that lead very, very briefly. And uh, once it evaporated, the Knicks were able to execute better than the Hawks down the stretch of this contest. Even without R.J. Barrett, who's one of their better players, the Knicks had uh, had the edge at the end of this one. So the Hawks were... I'll just say this at the top of the podcast. The Hawks were one-point favorites, according to the folks at FanDuel at tip-off. And the Hawks lost this game by two points. Now, is that great? No, it is not. But I'll just leave with this now, and I'm sure I will bother some folks with this statement. Um, This is not a loss that you want to overreact to. And I saw a lot of that. And sure, I understand the emotions of it. It's a game that the Hawks probably should have won had they they played better in in a couple of key areas. I'm not saying otherwise. And certainly... Uh, don't hear what I'm not saying. This is a game that was certainly frustrating in a lot of different aspects, but it is also the 11th game of the season. The Hawks are in just fine shape. Uh, the Knicks are a pretty good team. And, uh, you know, yes, it was not a fun loss at all, but they're, I, I already kind of a couple, a couple times already this year, the Hawks have had worse losses than this, but perhaps the, uh, the reactions boiled over a little bit more because it was more of a prime time kind of game, big time opponent, et cetera, et cetera. So anyway, beyond that, I will just lead with this. The defense was just not good enough in this game on the whole and the possession battle was the single biggest difference in the game Quinn Snyder and his lead address to the media after the game pre any questions started with that and I agree with that to take away it was just the, really the biggest thing was by far and again by far I stress this and uh, this was the biggest issue in this game was the Hawks not being able to win or even maintain a decent place in the possession battle and when I say that I mean that the Knicks grabbed more than 40% of their missed shots on the offensive glass in this game. They had 14 offensive rebounds for 21 second chance points. And yes, the Knicks are the best offensive rebounding team in the entire league. So 
you're going to give up some stuff to the Knicks. No question about that. Mitchell Robinson is probably the best individual offensive rebounder in the league. Their backup center, Isaiah Hartenstein, is kind of a beast there as well. Julius Randle is physical. Josh Hart's a great rebounder from the forward spot. All that said, like hats to the Knicks. They did a good job in this area. But you just cannot overcome that level of disparity without crazy shooting. In fact, this is a, a series of crazy stats in this game, and I'll lead with here. The Hawks actually won the turnover battle in this game. And the Hawks shot incredibly more, incredibly better, I should say, a lot a lot more, let's just say, than the Knicks in this spot. Again, the Hawks won the turnover battle, which means that's like half of the possession battle is taking care of the ball. And they still ended up with 12 fewer shooting possessions than the Knicks in this game. So the Hawks shot the ball decidedly better than the Knicks and still lost this game because of that possession battle. It's just, it's just, it's just that, it's that simple. If you watch this game, it was pretty obvious, even without the stat sheet. But if you had the stat sheet, it was even more glaring. The Knicks came into this night dead last in the league in two-point shooting. And again, in this spot, they were really bad at two-point shooting. They shot 48% on twos in this game. It should be borderline impossible to give up what became a 123 offensive rating to a team shooting 48% on twos. Because, yes, you could just be insane on threes, and they did shoot the ball well, but it wasn't, like, absolutely out of this world either. And the Hawks just could not get enough rebounds and stops as a result. Yes, the New York, the Knicks shot 16 of 34 from three. That is a very, very good number. Not a ton of attempts, but making 16 of them, shooting 47% from three, that is certainly part of what transpired in this game. And a lot of that is tipping her cap. The Knicks took some really tough shots and made, made some tough shots. The Hawks did allow a couple of, um, probably more than a couple of good open looks to the Knicks in this game. And uh, I actually pulled the, the data on this. In the two games against the Hawks this year, the Knicks are shooting 40, 46% from three. They have made 36 threes in the two games against Atlanta. Again, 46% from three. In the other eight or nine games that they have played, actually nine games they played, they're shooting 35% from three. So, yeah, is that frustrating? I'm sure it is for Hawks fans uh, because the Knicks have had their number in making threes in this series this year. But all that said, the other big thing that I w- at least we'll throw at the end of the podcast is that the Knicks scored at least one point, and that was only once actually in, so in the last 10 possessions of the game. The last 10 possessions of the game, the Knicks had – one trip where they got to the line and missed one out of two. Every other trip, they scored a bucket or a three on that possession. So last 10 trips in a row, they scored 22 points on 10 possessions. You're not going to win a close game like that. They scored 22 points in the final five, five minutes and seven seconds. And uh, between all of what I, what I just said, the defense was just not effective enough. We'll, we'll kind of go through it more play-by-play play later on in the podcast, but um, that is certainly the headline of this night. Beyond like just the fact that it's a frustrating loss for Atlanta, they just could not close possessions and they could not get stops, and that was why they lost this game at home. The offense was plenty good. I had notes on that before even going to the post-game press conference tonight, but it's also what Quinn Snyder led with on this night with that he basically said you know two or three times post-game tonight the offense was not the problem, and I definitely agree with that. The Knicks came in to the night third in the league in defense this season, and the Hawks scored more than 1.2 points per possession. You have to take that and run with it. That's a really good performance offensively from the Hawks in this game, especially when you take into account that Trey Young and Jonte Murray combined to score 28 points on 30 shooting possessions, which is really bad. 
So Trey and DJ were not good offensively by their standards in this game, at least, at least as scores. And the Hawks still scored at an elite level against a great defense on a back-to-back. I mean, you can't really ask for much more than that. They shot 55% from the floor in this game. They were okay from three. 26 uh, attempts at the free throw line. They had 28 assists. They had 15 turnovers is, is probably too many, but not by a ton. Um, there was one more crazy stat that I have to give you. Quinn talked about this a little bit after the game, and I actually went and dug into it after he threw it out there. But he basically talked about how the Hawks were not good enough in getting out and running and creating transition opportunities. And I agree with that. Even in real time, they had eight fast break points. That's not enough for this Hawks team. So all caveats aside, they weren't good in that area. But I pulled this number from Cleaning the Glass. Our friends over there, Ben Falk, does a great job with that site. Um, according to them and their data, the Hawks scored 1.26 points per possession in the half court in this game. So that's non-transition opportunities, just the half court sets. That is the 99th percentile. That's, in case you're wondering, that is elite, 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 fantastic. But a transition where the Hawks have actually been awesome this year, up and down the season so far, the, the Hawks scored... 0.94 points per, points per possession. That's 17th percentile. I don't know that I've ever seen that in a game. Now, I will not claim to be an expert on this. Um, I've seen a lot of box scores and a lot of numbers. I don't think I've ever seen a game in which a team was 99th percentile in half-court offense and that bad in transition. But it happened in this game. So there were some outliers in this one. Again, one of the reasons why I'm talking about how this game is not one to hugely react to in a – and I know part of my shtick and part of me covering this team as an analyst is to kind of be level-headed and try to give you the analytical approach, and I try to do that. But objectively, there was just a lot of outlier things that happened in this game. And that's another one of those. Like, the Hawks were dynamite in half court, and they still couldn't win because they couldn't get a rebound and they couldn't score when they got out in transition in this spot. So we'll have much more on what transpired in this one, top to bottom, how the game flowed, how the Hawks were down early, and how the Hawks made that big comeback in the second half only to have it slip away. But big picture, again, the defense was not good enough, rebounding in particular, and possession battle. I know I focus on that a lot, but it, there's a reason for it, because the Hawks shot the ball better than the Knicks by a lot in this game and still lost, because they could not get enough shots up to the rim to sort of negate all the advantages. Okay, before we have more on this game, and I promise you there is much more to talk about in addition to some player-by-player evaluations at the end of the podcast. Before we get to that, though, it worked with our partners on today's show. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. You can snap it into the action this NFL or NBA season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. And if you're a new customer, get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That is $150 if your team wins. Beyond the person of signing up with FanDuel right now, they have all stuff you're looking for across the sports betting space. That includes point spreads and money lines and over-unders and player props, future bets. They have same game parlays. They have live betting. It's all there for you. At FanDuel, the app is safe and secure and easy to use. They cover the entire range of sports as well. They have the NBA, of course, NFL, college basketball, MLB, golf, tennis, soccer, auto racing, MMA, boxing. It's all there for you. And they have all kinds of options for the Hawks as well, including all of the stuff you're looking for in advance of, of the game on Friday. It's his tournament time, again, for the Hawks on Friday against Philadelphia. And they'll have pregame lines as well as live betting, player props, and more. And now is the best possible time to join up with the folks at FanDuel. It's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Check out the official sportsbook partner of Locked On Podcast Network with an offer that you will absolutely not want to miss. That is FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Okay, we'll plunge in now to how this game kind of unfolded. And the Hawks did kind of go back to their usual, I will say now, starting group for the first time this year. I'll kind of make, make that declaration. Jalen Johnson started six, six straight games for the Hawks. 
And that appears to be the plan moving forward. Unless something changes. We'll, so we'll see on that. Um, Trey Young, of course, back in this game. He didn't have a shot again, which we'll come back to at the end of the podcast. But he obviously, and I think pretty much right out of the gate, was the the, the gap there from when Trey is there and when Trey is not, in terms of shot quality for the rest of the team, is always evident. In fact, I know this last night on the show, very deep into the night up in Detroit, but the Hawks only attempted four corner threes in the entire game on Tuesday. And part of that is that Trey wasn't there to set, set them up because he's so good at that. Um, the Hawks had three of those tonight in the first like five minutes of the game. So that's not all about Trey, but certainly a lot about Trey. Um, it's kind of funny. The first 12 points of the game were scored by power forwards between Julius Randle and Jalen Johnson. A um, couple of nice blocks by Capella in the early going on the help side for Randle. But, you know, rotationally, I'll note this now, AJ Griffin, DNPCD. And uh, I'm, it's not a huge surprise at this point in a lot of ways. Um, I don't love it, but I will say Wes Matthews, who did not play on Tuesday, looked fresh and played well. So it's hard to criticize that move because Wes was given good minutes when he came off the bench in this game. The first big run of the night went to New York, 17-6 in the middle of the first quarter, put the Hawks down by 11 points, and the Hawks were getting, again, annihilated in the early going on the, on the glass in particular. The Knicks took 19 shots before the Hawks took their 12th shot, which kind of tells you a lot of what transpired there. Offensive glass, turnovers, et cetera, et cetera. And I thought in the first quarter, the Hawks were down by as many as 13 points, and the Knicks were in total control. They played a very, very slow pace in this entire game, but especially in the first half. Um, and the Knicks were in control of that because that, that's how they want to play. They want to grind you out in a, lot, in a lot of ways. And the Knicks scored more than a point and a half per possession in the first quarter because the Hawks just could not get stops between, between Julius Randle and rebounding and points in the paint, et cetera. The Hawks actually, again, shot the ball well for the most part in this game, but it didn't really matter early on. Uh, there was one funny play in the second quarter where, where uh, Sadiq Bey actually got a, a steal on from Jalen Brunson, his former teammate at the college level. And Bay dribbled it off his foot basically in transition, and he got he just didn't need to, he needed to kind of look up and find Jalen Johnson because Bay is not exactly a ball handler in space. Um, kind of just a, a, a notable play, I'll say. Um, there was a nice run by the Hawks early in the second quarter, a 14 to 4 push, their first sustained success of the entire night at that point in time. Bogey was really hot, he had 15 points in his first like 11 minutes on the floor in this game. Trey, a couple nice assists as well. Um, actually, Okongwu had a beautiful DHO, kind of fake DHO handoff play and then blew the layup kind of funnily. He got he, he got, got he got caught in the middle between dunking it and laying it in, and the result was that uh, that uncertainty was a missed shot at the rim. Actually, the Hawks had two different 14-4 to runs in the second quarter, and they led the game briefly by one point at the end of the first half. Um, they forced more, they forced some turnovers defensively for the first time in a while. In fact, they forced zero of them in the first quarter, and they got much more of them as the game went along. They had nine points. In fact, Bay and Bogey combined for 19 points in the first eight minutes of the second quarter, and the Hawks were kind of in back in the game at that point in time after being down again by 13 in the first half. They were down they were down by one at the end of the first uh, sorry at the end of the first half, and. They were really good in the second quarter in general. They won it by 10 points. They shot the ball well. They rebounded better. They forced turnovers, et cetera. But still a little bit more of the same on the whole based on how bad the first quarter was. The Hawks were kind of out of rhythm early on in the second quarter, I thought, actually, while we're here. Um, Trey did set up Capella a couple times for dunks, but it was kind of a slow start. Notably, Jalen Johnson set a career high in threes in this game, and he kind of had them all in the first two and a half quarters. He actually made four of them. He was four for four from three-point range in this spot. And the Hawks did have the lead. In the third at one point, despite some poor shooting by Trey and DJ, but then the, the Knicks made their big push, uh, a 9-0 run. It's kind of ironic. The Knicks had one super open shot in that whole sequence, and they missed it. They actually made a bunch of contested shots um, in that in that stretch, but the offense went into 
the sewer, basically, for a while in the third quarter. Um, they had six straight trips that were empty on offense, including two turnovers and four missed two-point jump shots. The process was really bad. They got very stagnant at that point in time. Again, especially if I thought the offense was good in this game, it was not good for that segment of the third quarter where the Hawks only had 25 points on the whole. But they found it again from there when Trey came back into the game. Um, there was some weird officiating. I'll say this. Uh, before we get to that, though, a big swing in the final minute of the third quarter where Bogey had a three that went in and out and then quick, and then quickly from the Knicks, who played great in this game, made one that was contested on the end of the floor. So a big like six-point swing at the end of the quarter. New York hit six threes in the third quarter on the whole. And uh, there, was, there was some drama at the end of the quarter as well because Randall and Trey got into it a little bit, um, arguing over the ball. Anyway, nothing really came out of that, just kind of notable at the same time. Uh, they were down six going into the fourth quarter. And before I get to the rest of what transpired here, I said it on Twitter live, but I got I got very annoyed with the officiating in this game in a way that I very rarely do. If you listen to this podcast, you probably know I don't spend a lot of time talking about the refs. Um, you know, fans do that, and I get it. And even when I'm frustrated or maybe no, no, notice some bad stuff, I don't really let, let that seek in, uh, sort of seek and uh, get into what I'm talking about. At the same time, it was just some weirdly annoying officiating. Like they were not consistent at all. In this game, they called the ticky tack stuff and also let the big stuff kind of go, which didn't make a lot of sense to me. So is that why the Hawks lost? No, it's not. I'll be very clear about that. But I did not enjoy the officiating crew. It was Scott Foster. It was not the best, my, not my favorite crew in the world. And just kind of a, a lot of weirdness in this one. Just want to say that out loud for everyone to listen to at the end of the show. Anyway, there was a uh, funny sequence, actually with about eight minutes to go, where Randall hit a three against bogey when he had just zero rhythm at all, like five fakes, not really open at all. And I turned to Wes Morton, the Hoops on, pre- on press row and said, basically there's nothing you can do about that except for you, you, you kind of shake his guy, shake, shake the guy's hand at that point in time. As I was saying that Sadiq Bay hit a three for the Hawks that enjoyed pretty much the friendliest role possible. So it was kind of funny like they didn't actually have any damage because both shots were pretty lucky. Um, it was just kind of amusing at that point in time. But then the Hawks had by far their biggest and best stretch of the game. It was an 11-0 run in the middle of the third quarter. Sorry, in the middle of the fourth quarter, to go up by a seven-point margin. It was the first time and the only time in the whole game the Hawks led by more than one point. At the end of it, it was Murray getting to the mid-range and scoring, and then Bogey actually missed a three. But then Bay had a follow-up dunk. They got four stops in a row defensively, and they were in great shape. Up seven, forcing a timeout mid mid fourth quarter, all the momentum, and then the rest of the game was all Knicks. Immediately out of a timeout, the Knicks scored eight points in a row in about 90 seconds. And they scored eight points on three trips. They had two threes. Um, the Hawks went scoreless when Hunter missed a shot, and then Murray, Murray turned, the, turned the ball over. Um, I will say fans were not at all happy that, that Quinn went, went back to the starters at that point in time. And I understand why. Um, I didn't like viscerally hate it as much as some people did, but I would have stayed with Bogey. And I said that at the time. I'll say it again now. I would have stayed with Bogey. I thought Bogey had earned. Um, some more time and granted you're watching his minutes. I'm sure at that point in time, he played 29 off the, off the bench on the back-to-back, but I would have liked to see bogey either close or play more in the fourth quarter. I had less of a problem with going back to Capella. Uh, I thought a Kongwu played well in the second half, which is why I think a lot, at least part of the reason why the Hawks, the Hawks fans were not happy about that. But also this is a constant battle. Like a Kongwu had played, I believe 12 minutes in a row at that point, And there was just no way he was going to play the rest of the game, which would have been at 17 minutes or something like that. So, I kind of get it. Capella wasn't very good in this game by his standards. Um, that one didn't bug me as much. And of course, the other guy who came back in was Trey, who was always going to come back in. So I didn't have a huge, huge issue with it, but I would have gone back to Bogey. And uh, especially with the way that Hunter was playing, which I'll, I'll come back to later on in the podcast. I thought Hunter was very bad. Um, anyway, it is what it is. 
I didn't hate it as much as everybody else did, but I didn't like it either. Um, the Hawks did score at the end of the game. So they scored three, three, three times in a row after that run by the Knicks, but the Knicks just kept on scoring. Brunson had a three. The Hawks had a couple of near stops and just, just couldn't get it down. Hunter broke down on one play. It looked like for the Knicks to score at the end of a shot clock buzzer, etc. Trey drew a three-shot foul to tie the game, actually with about 110 to go. It was actually a challenge by, by Thibodeau, kind of an auto challenge. He, he kind of had to t- challenge the play, but it was ruled to be unsuccessful. Trey made all three to tie the game. Um, that was nice to see. Then they had defensively a very good possession on the next play, but they gave up an off the rebound. Again, kind of appropriately, they gave up a second chance point to Josh Hart flying in on the rebound, and that led to a bucket to put the Hawks down again with under a minute to go. Then Trey drew a foul with 30 seconds on the, on the clock, made the first one, and missed the second one. And look, he, he actually talked to me after the game and said it was kind of on him that you know that he missed that free throw. Um, I don't know if they win the game if he makes it, but you know it's it's notable. Like Trey, it's kind of it's kind of weird that he was seven of nine in the game, so he missed two in the in the game. And Trey's an excellent foul shooter, but that was a big one. Like he, it would have tied the game. He missed it, and there you go. Just throwing that out there. And then uh, Brunson beat Hunter very badly for a mid range jump shot to put the Hawks down by, down by three with eighteen seconds to go. I'll stop here and just say uh, we'll have more Hunter later on. I did not understand Snyder's adjustment or change to put Hunter on Brunson so much in the fourth quarter. Murray, I thought, did a capable job on Brunson in the game for the most part. And Brunson was not great in this game. He made, he made six threes, but he was not good from two-point range. He was two of nine. Um, but I, I thought that Hunter clearly didn't have the answers on Brunson. And Hunter has struggled more against like smaller guards this year. So I didn't love that decision. I, I'd, love to, I'd love to know more about why they made it. But anyway, um, that was just one that I was I was questioning a little bit out loud. Um, after that, they're done by three. They went to bogey in that spot. Murray gets a layup quickly, which I'm okay with. Like there's different uh, opinions of like the quick two, but it was a it was a layup, so it's fine to kind of take it. Um, Murray then almost 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 got a steal on Randall in the backcourt, but didn't. And on the process, unfortunately, he did not even foul Randall which led to an outlet pass to Quickly, who is a much better free throw shooter than Randall is. Quickly is elite at the line, actually, unfortunately, for the Hawks. They fouled him with nine seconds to go. Um, folks were asking about the about an eight-second call. It was not one. It was close. It was within about a second or so, and uh, I think Quinn said that after the game as well. Maybe, maybe traded. I can't remember who was, who it was post-game. But it wasn't a missed call. It just it, it was, They were about a second short. Anyway, they had to foul Quickly. He made both. And then coming out of a timeout, they set up bogey and bogey missed about a 29 footer um, very badly. And he, look, that's a shot he can make, but it was a very low percentage shot and he didn't need to shoot it that quickly. I will say Trey said after the game that the play was for bogey to catch and shoot. So I'm not sure if that was exactly what they wanted to happen there, but uh, that was a very low quality look and uh, bogey missed it badly. Now they actually, it was probably over then you would think, but then the Knicks could get the ball in bounds. That was a nice break for the Hawks at that point in time. Brunson, um, basically, they get a they get a free possession. The Hawks did when they were kind of feeling like they were dead, but smartly, Brunson fouls Murray, not not allowing the Hawks to get the shot off from three. Um, Murray makes the first one, and with like four seconds to go, he tries to miss the second one on purpose, and then he commits a lane violation. And it was there was no real like sometimes those get missed, but if you watch the playback, like it was not controversial. It was he obviously lane violated. So um, yeah, from there. It was kind of academic, but I said it. I said it once before. I'll just end this segment on this particular note: the Knicks scored on the last ten 
possessions of the game. So the Hawks did it very well in the first seven minutes of the fourth quarter. They held the Knicks to seven points in seven minutes to go up by seven points in the game. They were up 101-94. And the last five, the last 507, they gave up 22 points on 10 possessions. And, you know, there you go. That's why the Hawks lost this game. They were unable to get stops. And a few of those were second chance, second chance opportunities, which, again, was kind of a microcosm of the night. And Atlanta was not good enough defensively. And that was clearly what transpired in this spot. All right, we'll have more on the player-by-player stuff in a second. But first, it worked from our sponsors on today's podcast. Today's show is brought to you by Jace Medical. We spend a lot of time talking together, you and I. When you listen to this podcast, we get fired up together on wins and frustrated on losses, as we did tonight in a lot of different ways. We talk about who starts and who sits and dive deep on basketball together. And I'm thankful for that connection that I have with listeners and viewers to this podcast. And today, I want to chat with you about things a little bit more personal. I've learned now that you can get a one-year supply of certain medications, all kinds of things that you def- that you desperately need from the folks at Jace Medical. That includes ED stuff and natural disasters and supply chain issues. Bring on, bring on all of it. Don't worry. You're covered. You don't have to worry about whether you actually can refill, refill your generics um, and prescriptions. because, And it's all possible because of our friends at Jace Medical. JaceMedical.com is the place to receive your 12-month supply of your daily medication. And remember, use that promo code Locked On to check out for a discount as well. They have all kinds of rave reviews about Jace Medical, being folks being thankful for their services and supply chain issues being cut in half and all that stuff. It, it's all right there. It's it's safe. It's secure. JaceMedical.com brings you all of what you're looking for at a lower price than local pharmacies, and they recommend it. I definitely recommend it for you as well. If you or someone that you love can look for some peace of mind this year by having a year supply of any daily medication, go to JaceMedical.com, see if it's offered for you. And when you get there, Use the promo code. It's locked on for $20 off your purchase with Jace Medical. Check it all out today at jacemedical.com. All right, and to the player stuff at the end of the podcast, as we always do, if you're a new listener, this is our uh, usual protocol post-game. Talk about all the guys who appeared for Atlanta. Again, a nine-man group that played in this game. Wes Matthews was certainly the ninth of nine. He played 10 minutes off the bench. He's actually still perfect from three-point range as a, a member of the Hawks. He's three for three. Uh, shots to Wes Matthews. I thought he played well, actually, off the bench. Beyond that, three-point shooting. But three points in 10 minutes, plus two, three rebounds, had an assist and a steal, played good defense, two fouls. But I thought he gave them good minutes, and that's all you can ask for for that veteran coming off the bench. Um, Bogey had a big game, 28 points in 29 minutes for Bogey. He was very good. Four of four on twos, four of 11 from three, eight of eight from the free throw line, three rebounds, three assists, two steals and a block, one turnover, plus 11. And the bench was really the key all night long, but Bogey was excellent. And it's a reminder, again, as I always say on the podcast, when the Hawks get this from Bogey, they're dangerous. And he was excellent in this game. He was Honestly, he was the guy who was pretty clearly the best compared to their normal baseline in this game. Bogey was awesome. Uh, Sadiq Bey had a nice game as well. 16 points off the bench, 28 minutes, and was actually plus 20. Two rebounds, two assists, and two steals. Uh, he was a 5 of 5 on twos, 2 of 5 on threes. Defensively a little bit shaky at times, but was active with his hands. Um, I did notice tonight that he he just cannot jump. It's kind of funny when he shoots like mid-range jump shots. He just cannot get off the floor. It's kind of a funny thing to watch him shoot that shot. But he gave him good minutes, I thought, on the whole, especially in the uh, the middle part of the game where he and Bogey had that big run in the first half. Uh, Akongwu had a decent game. Um, four turnovers is too many for him, but eight points, six rebounds, had a steal and a block. Um, it's a tough matchup for Okongwu because Robinson and Hartenstein for the Knicks are huge and they're active. But uh, Okongwu gave them good minutes in the second half in particular, I thought. And, uh, you know, he was fine. He wasn't fantastic, but he was fine. To the starters, Capella, 26 minutes, eight points, two blocks, two steals. How about this, though? Three rebounds for Capella. That is a staggeringly low number. Now, there is nuance here. 
and that Mitchell Robinson is a monster. And also the scheme that they're asking Capella to play and really a Congo as well. Like there was a lot of rotating that was kind of happening in this game. And they were asking Capella to be the primary box out guy in Robinson, but still not a good, he was not good in this game by his standards, especially when it comes to rebounding. Um, a couple of huge blocks, a couple of good steals and opportunities. Offensively, he was actually four or five from the floor, finished well around the rim, but not his best night by any means. Um, Jalen Johnson, I thought was good, but not as good as the shooting numbers indicated, if that makes sense. 18 points, five rebounds, two blocks. Did three turnovers and no assists. He was three of five on twos, but four, four from three. Again, that's a career high. I think his defense, though, has slipped a little bit in the last handful of games. So that's something to keep an eye on. Um, I'm not worried about his defense long term. He obviously has all kinds of talent and length and athleticism and all that stuff, but he's not been quite as dialed in off the ball and even when he's on the ball, but especially off the ball in recent days. Something in the circle there, but obviously shooting the ball very well, which is a very, very good thing. He's going to regress some. I don't think, I, I don't think that Jalen is a 40% three-point shooter right now. If I'm wrong, that'd be great for the Hawks. I think he's probably going to come down a little bit from that, but he's making shots right now, which is good to see. Um, DeAndre Hunter, I thought was really bad in this game, honestly. I, I don't mean that to be uh, you know piling on, but five points, on seven shots in 26 minutes, two rebounds, one assist, one turnover, no blocks, no steals, minus 12 in 26 minutes. Just played with very, very little force, which has always been a criticism of Hunter. He, just, he really didn't make plays in this game. There were a handful of plays I can see in my mind right now where he was just kind of like outworked and out-hustled and out-toughed going to the ball. Like Josh Hart is not bigger than DeAndre Hunter, but Josh Hart was just owning Hunter on the glass and with for loose balls, et cetera. It's a frustrating thing for Hunter. And again, he played very well early in the year, I thought. But the last six games, he has come back down to his previous level, unfortunately. So last six games for Hunter, 32% from the field on about 10 shots a game. That's low volume and bad percentage, of course. He is 7-26 from three in that stretch, also bad. Three rebounds, a half a block, and a half a steal per game in the last six. So that's a small sample size. But uh, given that his previous level has not been fantastic, um, I can certainly understand why folks were frustrated with him tonight. He was not very good, I didn't think, in this game. Uh, and lastly, you have Trey and DeJounte. So DeJounte cooled off a lot. He had been he was excellent on Tuesday, but he did not have a great night tonight. 13 points, five rebounds, two assists, minus 16 in 32 minutes. He shot the ball okay, better than Trey did. Um, defensively, I thought he did okay in Brunson, but as the game went along, he had a couple of uh, shortcomings in the fourth quarter, like a lot of guys did, and he was just like kind of mad. He wasn't awful, but he was just not great. Trey had a weird game. So he's back, of course, after missing the game on Tuesday. And congratulations again to him and his wife for having their second child. 15 points and 17 assists for Trey. Now, there's been a lot of focus, and understandably so. I want to say that. Understandably so about Trey's incredibly poor shooting this year. And that is definitely true. I'm not arguing with you. He has not shot the ball well. He knows it. The Hawks know it, etc. But he was still a positive offensive player in this game. He was being blitzed the entire game. By the Knicks, they wanted the ball out of his hands. It was very obvious. Quinn talked about it after the game. Trey had 17 assists and three turnovers. Like, you can't play badly when you have that kind of ratio, when you are as kind of have the gravity that he does offensively. But 0-4 from three, and he was 4 of 8 for two from two-point range. He got the line nine times, missed the big one at the end. But, like, the notion that Trey was, like, quote-unquote bad on offense in this game is just not at all true. He just didn't shoot the ball well. And yeah, I understand worrying about Trey shooting. I don't really worry that much about it, but there's also some nuance there. Like, I think he's not going to be this, but he wasn't that good last year as far as his non-figure shooting. I get all that. So if you want to worry, I understand. We'll have that fight later on when I have more time. 
But I thought that Trey was a huge positive for the offense. And by the way, not a coincidence, Trey was the only starter that was better than minus 12 in this game. They were good when Trey played with the bench. They were good with Trey on the floor in this game. They won, they won those minutes. Defensively, he was not fantastic. I will at least acknowledge that. But uh, you know, on a night where he didn't shoot the ball well, he, he, he was not a bad offensive player in this game by any means. Okay, all that said, we'll get out of here now. It's been way too long at this point <laughs> in the podcast, and I've slept very little in the last couple of nights. But I said it a lot before. One more time, this is a defense first loss. No question about that. And the Hawks will have to uh, clean things up because they have a real big challenge on Friday. So it's the second game of a four-game homestand for the Hawks. It's also the second game for the in-season tournament for the Hawks on Friday as they host the Sixers. The first time that the Hawks have played the Sixers this year. Philadelphia lost tonight at home to Boston. So they'll be, I'm sure, inspired. Philadelphia is a good team, very clearly. Embiid, Maxi, etc. Philly also lost to Indiana at home in their uh, in-season tournament game most recently. So if the Hawks, again, if the Hawks can win on Friday, you would argue that they might be in the driver's seat when it comes to the group play and group A in the the, the in-season tournament. So we'll see how that all transpires. But the Hawks will be uh, probably underdogs, I would imagine, at home. But um, an interesting test. Again, they haven't been great at home this year. Philadelphia is a good team. Um, We'll see how good they are. But uh, that's one to circle. I'll be in the building for that one. We'll talk about it a lot on Friday night. But uh, in advance, that'll be a lot of fun to uh, sort of dig into, especially after uh, coming off this frustrating loss for the Hawks at this point. All right. That's all I have on this game today. One more reminder, as I have been the last couple of weeks, there is some extra content in the audio-only feeds of this podcast so just know that that's coming from the folks at Lawton Sports Atlanta and from Lawton Podcast Network. I'm still here doing my thing as always, but some extra content for you in the audio feeds. Also, please subscribe to the podcast anywhere you get your podcast, places like Apple and Spotify and Google and Overcast on the audio side, as well as YouTube on the video side, where you also can like the show and subscribe and tell a friend and share all that fun stuff. I really appreciate all of that. Follow the show on Twitter at Lawton Hawks. Follow me there if you'd like to at BT Roland. Also, write about the Hawks regularly at patreon.com slash btrolling. One more time, please subscribe to the podcast and find a friend that is a Hawks fan in your life and share the podcast with them. I really appreciate all of that. I will sign off now after a couple of uh, crazy days in Hawksland. One win on the road, one loss at home, and we'll have much more coming up later on the week, especially when it comes to after the game on Friday between the Hawks and the Sixers. Stay tuned, and we'll see you all next time.